Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. If it's your first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, which I know there are some people here and it's your first time because I got to meet you already, just want you to know we're really glad you're here. We hope that today is a great moment for you. If today is your first time back in a long time, we want to say welcome back. We're glad to have you, glad to be together. It's good to worship the Lord, to come together and to sing praises, thank you my friend, and to have our mind and our focus to be on Jesus Christ together as a church family, and it's good to be together. If you're with us online, welcome, we're glad that you're with us, and we invite you to be in person with us if you can, as soon as you can. We'd love to see you. Today we're gonna be continuing in our Built to Last series. This is actually week seven, it's our final week of the Built to Last series. It's a series that we have partnered with a project, and that is to replace the well-used, well-worn portable buildings uh, with 18,000 square foot of gospel ministry space dedicated to kids and students for the ministry of Big Valley Grace Community Church. And we'll talk more about that and the progress we're making in that uh, a little bit later. Today, the teaching is gonna be broken into two parts. The first part, we're gonna be in Isaiah 26. And we'll be looking at the context of Israel, the nation of Israel in Isaiah 26. Um, and then the second part, we'll be addressing kind of where we've been in this series and the progress that we're making as a church family. Through this time of this series, Built to Last, Equipping Faith that is Built to Last in a Decaying Culture, we've been making packets of information available for the project. And if you need a Built to Last packet, you have not received one, please just write on your Connect card that you would like I would like a built-to-last packet, and our team will get one to you. I want to make sure everyone has that information. Well, it was at the end of summer, beginning of fall, that I went on a prayer retreat. And the reason I went on the prayer retreat is because I wanted to really seek the Lord for how I might honor him. Lord, how might I live in such a way that would bring you glory and honor you? And Lord, how is it that you would want me to lead? You've called me to serve as a pastor in a local church. And God, how can I honor you and follow after you? Lord, would you lead me so that I can follow you in your leadership of my life and then I'll have what I need to lead in the church family. And as I began to pray about that and think about that while I was on the prayer retreat, the first verse that God brought to my mind was Isaiah 26, verse 3. And if you want to have in your Bible, turn to Isaiah 26, you can. If you need a Bible, come to the altar room after the gathering. It's a room we pray for people in. We have Bibles there. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, 
because he trusts in you. And as God reminded me of this verse, I thought, that's exactly what I need for my life. I need God to keep Joel in perfect peace as Joel's mind is stayed on God because Joel is trusting in God. And I thought, that's exactly what I need for myself, but it's exactly what I need for my leadership as a pastor in a local church, that you keep the pastor in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because the pastor is trusting in you. And I think this verse explains what we all need. We all need to focus on the Lord, to experience the peace of the Lord, to have our minds be on Jesus, have our minds be focused on him, that we might trust in Jesus Christ. Now the context of this verse is about the nation of Israel, and we want to look at that together. And in verse 1, Isaiah 26, verse 1, we see the context. It says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. And when we see in Scripture the phrase that day or the day of the Lord, it's, re it's referring to the, the day of the Lord, his judgment, um, of his righteousness, where he makes things that are wrong, he makes them right, and uh, he brings consequence and reward. And it's a great and mighty, you know, fearsome day of the Lord. And in that day, so they're looking forward to this day where God will make things right. This song will be sung in the land of Judah. So what we're going to be looking at is actually a song. It's a song that they would have sung in the land of Judah, and that is in the people of Israel. And as we look at this song, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it to you. I feel like I sound like I'm underwater. Everyone else is saying maybe I don't, but I'm okay. I'm okay. I just am allergic to Modesto. And so everything's cool. Like everything's okay. I got some hot water here. We're going we're gonna to be good. But it says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. So it, this is written in the 8th century BC. So in, in a year that would look like this, 700 and something before Christ. So that's the era of when this was written. For the nation of Israel, they were experiencing an Assyrian threat. And they made a huge mistake of instead of looking to God for their security, they went looking for worldly security. The nation of Israel went looking for worldly security, and God brings judgment to them. He brings judgment significantly. We'll, we'll talk about that. But God keeps a remnant that he is faithful to, to keep his promises to, his promises to the nation of Israel. And what we're seeing here now is this remnant coming back around, recognizing they're wrong, recognizing God is right, and now singing. And so Israel is singing a song of thanks to God for what he has done. And that is what the context of this passage is. Israel sings a song of thanks to God for what he has done. In this, they sing for what God has already done, and they sing for about what God is going to do, what God has told them they're going to do, what God has told the nation of Israel that he is going to do, and their confidence is that God will do it. And so they're trusting that God will do what he said he's going to do. And so they're singing a song of thanks. So in verse 1, it says, We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. We have a strong city. God came to a man named Abram. He made Abram a promise. And he said, I'm going to take you to a, a place you've never been. The promised land. And I'm going to give you a son. Even though you are not of you know, childbearing age, child-rearing age, you're old in age. I'm going to give you a son. It's a promised son. 
And I'm going to multiply you. Even though you don't have any kids right now, I'm going to multiply your family. So, so big, it's going to be a nation, a promised nation. And then as you follow that family line down, you get to a man named David. He was a king. And God brought a promise to King David. He said, I'm going to have someone from your family, your line, sit on the throne forever. An eternal throne. So you have the promised land, a promised son, a promised nation, and a promised throne. Well, as Israel develops, Israel gets proud, gets full of pride, forgets God. Israel begins to trust in the actual city, the city of David that was built, the actual walls and the actual army, the people, and they place their trust there. And God disciplines them, as we're going to see in this passage. And now when we get to here, they're singing a song and they say we have a strong city, but they're not referring to the physical city. They're, re they're referring to the spiritual city, the city of God. We have a strong city. He, God, sets up salvation as walls and bulwark. We're not trusting in the actual walls. We're not trusting in the actual armies. We're trusting in God. He is our savior. God is our salvation. And we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. So number one, Israel thanks God for providing salvation. And they're singing this song. And Israel thanks God for providing salvation. That's number one. Now the nation at this time is in bad shape. Like a lot of bad stuff happened to Israel because they walked away from following the Lord and God disciplined them. So the nation's in bad shape. But they're no longer relying on the city of David. But they're now relying on the God of David, their Savior. And they're thanking God and they're singing him song. For salvation. So in verse 2, it says, Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. And the gates, those are very significant, right? In a city, it's a walled city. And so gates close, city's secure, gates open, there's access in, access out. But not only that, this nation had experienced being exiled out of their city, exiled out of their nation, where they had to leave the gates of their city permanently. And they were disciplined by God. And now they're saying, open the gates. They've come back to the Lord, their faith is being renewed, and they're saying, open the gates, that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. What is it that God requires of us? It's that we would place our faith in him, and we would trust in his righteousness. That's what the Lord is looking for. And this song is singing, open the gates, that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. The people who are going to follow in faith after the righteous God and his righteousness, open the gates that they might be able to experience what? The strong city. The strong city God sets up as salvation of walls and bulwarks. So they were previously exiled for their disobedience, but a remnant keeps faith, and they recognize renewed access to right relationship with God. And so they're singing the song, and that's number two. Israel thanks God for providing access. There was a season where they had access and then they lost access and now they're recognizing, wow, we have access to right relationship with the Lord again. And they're thanking God for providing access. You know, Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. Other nations were supposed to be able to look at Israel and see this is a nation God has blessed. This is a nation that's following the Lord. This is a nation that's set apart and different. But they stopped trusting God and they got sidetracked. They got off track. And it's easy to do, to get sidetracked. All of us can experience getting sidetracked and getting off track. And that's the context for verse three. 
And I'll read it again, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, they had wandered so far that they had actually gone to go trust in pagan nations instead of trusting in God. You know, they're supposed to be separate from them and they go to trust in the gods of the pagan nations and trust in the armies of the pagan nations. And God disciplines them and they have this opportunity to repent and they have an opportunity to return and reestablishing the total peace that God desires for them. And we see that in verse three. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so in this song, they're singing this and that's number three. They're singing and Israel sings and they thank God for providing peace. That's number three. Israel thanks God for providing peace. Now it was foolishness that Israel went and sought security among the pagan nations, among the pagan kings, among the pagan armies. You know, when their true foundation is God. Israel at one time understood God is our builder, he's our foundation, and then they like tried to step off the foundation and wander, and, and God disciplines them and brings them back, and now they're recognizing that their true foundation is God against. We, we see this in verse four. It says, trust in the Lord forever. Remember, they're singing this song. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And that phrase right there, everlasting rock, what's exciting about this phrase is, is it means a rock that is lasting forever. In other words, if you're going to stand on something that you can count to stand on it forever, it needs to be an everlasting rock. And they're saying we are putting our faith and trust in God and we are going to stand on him. He is the everlasting rock. And we are renewing our trust and our faith in him. Previously, they had been relying on temporary worldly solutions and they were disappointed greatly. Disappointed greatly. But now they're recognizing where is their true security? It is in God. And the same is true for us. Our true security is in God. And so number four, Israel thanks God for providing eternity as they're recognizing that he is the everlasting rock and they can stand on him forever. And they're singing a song to him and they're thanking him for providing eternity. You know, when temporary security fails miserably and it always will, when we place our faith in temporary security, things of this world, it will always fail miserably every time. And when it fails miserably, it's humbling. And our places of pride end up being replaced with places of sobriety as we're humbled before God. We see this in verse five. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The pagan nations around had big cities and the pagan nations had uh, big armies and the pagan nations had big pride. And what they're saying here is he, God, has humbled the inhabitants of the height. Those proud nations has humbled them. The lofty city has humbled them. He lays it, God lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. This is what God does to the arrogant and the proud 
You know, previously they had sought safety in these pagan nations and in these pagan kings. And what God did that's interesting is God actually used the pagan nations to discipline Israel. And then as those pagan nations began to be arrogant towards God Almighty, God then disciplined the pagan nations. And what Israel's now thanking God for is the discipline that God has brought. And they're recognizing God has brought discipline in their own life because of their own sin, and God has brought discipline to the nations around them. And number five is Israel thanks God for providing discipline. Israel thanks God for providing discipline. When we get to verse six, it says, the foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The songs Israel sang are a little different than the ones we sang today. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. What are they saying? They're saying that they recognize that they had come to a place of total depravity. They were humbled, they were helpless, they were taken captive, they were captured, they were exiled, and they're realizing we, we're nothing on our own. We're nothing on our own. The only thing that was about us is God, and, and on our own, we're nothing. And they're recognizing, well, we're the feet of the poor. We're the steps of the needy. But you know what? The foot tramples it. God has brought to us victory, even though we don't deserve it. He's renewed us. He's restored us. The foot tramples at the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. So previously, they're helpless. They're captured. They're in total depravity. Now they're restored to promise by the promising one. And they're recognizing God and they are thanking God. And this is number six. Israel thanks God for providing victory. Israel thanks God for providing victory. And they're so happy and they're singing and they're trusting in the Lord again. It's really awesome. You know, previously they had become arrogant. They had seen their own victories as their own doing. And they were giving themselves credit for the things that had happened. And God humbled them. God disciplined them. And now they're seeing what is true, what is right, and that is God is the one who has done it. And God is the one who has made us victorious. And God is the one who needs to get the credit. Amen, man. This is the context for verse 3. The verse that God used in my own life. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What about your own life? How has God provided salvation in your life? How has God provided access that you might access a right relationship with God in your own life? How has God provided peace in your life? Where circumstances around you can be horrible and things can be devastating and yet you have the peace of God that doesn't make any sense to the world but it makes sense in Jesus and you can have the peace of God. How has God provided peace in your life? How has God provided eternity in your life to where you might be able to stand on the everlasting rock? How has God provided discipline in your life because we're prone to wander like the hymn says? We're prone to get off track. And how has God loved you so much that when you were proud and you were arrogant and you were full of sin, God disciplined you and brought you back to him? That is a sign of how much God loves you. When he has disciplined you, how has he done that in your life? 
How has God provided victory in your life where there was obstacle, there was hardship, and God helped you overcome and overcome what was in front of you? How has God provided victory in your life? You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What is the application for us? I think the application is very simple. And it is trust God as a way of living every day, all day, every circumstance. In all these ways that God has worked in the life of Israel, God can work in our lives. In the same way he has worked in others, he can work in our lives and that we would trust him as a way of living. And this is where I wanna focus right here. And before we keep going, what I wanna do is I wanna take time to worship the Lord together, to have our focus be on thanking him and that we're trusting in him, renewing our trust in him and giving him worship. So I wanna invite you to stand, we're gonna sing and then we'll keep going in our time in the word. Father God, Lord, may we respond to you right now in how good you are and how amazing you are and may we acknowledge that you are the one who does all things. God, would our hope be in you and in you alone? Would we not hope in anything else? And would this be a great moment for us to worship you and acknowledge you and bring glory to you? And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. All right, you can be seated and we're gonna continue, continue on. And what's really great about technology in this moment is through the second half, we're able to be connected with our series campus through video. Uh, and so welcome to everyone who's in our series campus and the community center. And this is a great moment for us Modesto series and online to really celebrate what God is doing in our church family. Like I shared, this is week seven of Built to Last, Built to Last, equipping faith that is built to last in a decaying culture. We've got these portable buildings on the Modesto campus that need to be replaced. They're well-worn, well past their age of use with 18,000 square feet of gospel ministry space dedicated to kids and students. We've been casting vision across our campuses for this during these seven weeks. And during week five, uh, we had opportunity for people to bring commitments, and we're gonna share what those are in just a moment. But I wanna share with you another verse from Isaiah 26 that God used when I was on my prayer retreat to help me be expecting for what he is gonna do in our church family. As I thought ahead to the things that were in front of us as a church family, God used this verse to really encourage me. It says, O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all of our works. You know, going into this series, we didn't know what is God gonna do? What is God gonna do in our church family? How is God gonna work in our church family? What is it that God wants to accomplish? But we knew this, we need to trust the Lord. We need to seek the Lord and we need to trust him. Which is why in week one, we shared six opportunities to trust the Lord and I wanna remind you of what those are. Opportunity number one was trust the Lord to be an equipping church. In Ephesians chapter four, we see that God gives gifts to the church. One of the gifts of grace that God gives to the church is in leadership for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of ministry because God has called all of us to serve him. And there is a place for all of us to serve him. 
And we want to be a church that is helping people be equipped so that we can each serve the Lord in the place that God is calling us to serve him. And this is an opportunity for us to trust the Lord. Opportunity number two, to trust the Lord to help us live by faith. We looked at Hebrews chapter 11. It's the hall of faith, not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith where person by person by person is listed who experienced incredible opposition, great uh, adversaries, trouble, hardship, persecution, suffering, and yet they kept faith. They kept their faith in the Lord. Go, wow, God, how do you want to grow us as a church that through adversity and through difficulty and suffering that we might keep our faith in the Lord? Opportunity number three, to trust the Lord for ministry that is built to last. In other words, Lord, how can we be about doing ministry that is eternal and not temporary? We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about things going through the test of fire, precious stones and precious metals, or wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble being consumed, but precious stones, precious metals lasting. Lord, how can we be a church that is ministering like precious stones, precious metals, things that are going to be about Jesus, that matter and that last about the gospel. God, help us to be that kind of church. Opportunity number four, to trust the Lord's word in a decaying culture. We looked at Romans chapter one. Reading Romans chapter one is like reading a description of the culture we live in right now. And God, how can we, even though our culture is decaying and wants to remove God's word out of every situation, God, how can we trust the Lord's word even in the midst of a decaying culture? Opportunity number five, to trust the Lord in our biblical stewardship, which means God has given us resources and we are to be stewards of the resources God has given us. And so we want to see in the Bible how can we be good stewards of the resources God has given us? And this is an opportunity for us to trust the Lord in our biblical stewardship. We looked at passages like 1 Corinthians 16 that talk about being purposeful and prayerful and planning, pre preparing to bring God a gift regularly and how we can grow in that as a church family. And then opportunity number six was about this weekend to trust the Lord in his provision. What is it that God is going to do? How is it he's going to provide for the church and to trust that the Lord will provide? And it's exciting. When we see in this passage, the context of verse 12 here, we've already talked about uh, the context of this chapter. But the nation of Israel, after being disciplined, they now have this opportunity to renew their worship of God. And so they say, oh Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you indeed have done for us all our works. You know, I'm seeing God at work in our church family. We are seeing God at work in our church family. It's exciting to hear the stories of how God is working in people's lives. And this series, God has used this teaching series. He's used this partnership with the project. He's used this to stir up a lot in people's lives. And it's been really exciting to hear the stories. I want to share with you some of them of how we're seeing God work in people's lives as he's stirring people to obedience in him. A couple shared with me 
that they saw this opportunity, they saw this project as an opportunity to make a spiritual investment in their grandkids where they did not see another opportunity currently for them to be able to make a spiritual investment in their grandkids. A man shared with me who has a work environment that is very ungodly and very against the things of the Lord and very for the things of a decaying culture, saying, I'm just looking for a way to be able to fight back against this culture, and I'm excited about this project to be able to make an investment for something that's going to be mattering for Jesus. A woman shared with me, when I heard that we shifted from a three-year to two two-year phases, originally we had a three-year plan, and we made it into a four-year plan, two two-year phases. And so when she heard the, the shift, she said, well, I had already prayed about what I was going to do over three years, so I just took over three years, and I just you know, made it lower monthly over four years. And she said as she did that, the Lord worked in her life to say, no, 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 no. You're going to keep it at the commitment you made each month, and instead of doing it for three years, you're not going to do it for four. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool that God's working in this person's life that way. A family from our series campus shared. You know, we recognize in this that it was years ago that the Modesto campus invested people and resources to be able to launch the series campus. And this is an opportunity as a part of the series campus to now make an investment in the Modesto campus. And I thought that was a really cool perspective that this family shared. A new member shared with me. I began tithing this last year, began giving to the Lord this last year. And I really had the sense that over and above what I was already regularly giving to the Lord, I really needed a sacrifice to be a part of this project. I had a strong sense of it, this person was telling me, this new member. And so I did, I made a commitment for a great sacrifice so that I could partner in this project. Then I went and did my taxes. And because I had been giving to the Lord, my tax situation was different. And I ended up getting a refund from my taxes. And the refund from my taxes matched the significant sacrifice that I had made to this project. And I thought, how cool is that? That God is working in the life of a person to provide for the very sacrifice that they were wanting to make. I think it's really cool. Amen. And then a longtime member, actually, I actually heard this actually is the same thing from a lot, but a longtime member, I heard this story. I had to keep rewriting an amount on my card and then tear it up, throw it away, write a new card. I had to keep writing them out. And then I tear it up and throw it away, or keep writing a new amount. Because God kept putting it on my heart to give in a greater way. And I go, wow, look at what God is doing in our church family. And these are just some stories of how God is working in our church family. We didn't know how God would work, but we knew this. We needed to celebrate God's provision on this weekend. Whatever it was that God is gonna do, we wanted to plan to celebrate God's provision. And that means this, giving credit to God for all that he does. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna celebrate God's provision in giving God credit for all that he does. You know, if we're obedient to God, we are gonna have the provision that God wants for us to have as a church family. And so we just wanna continue to encourage, let's be obedient to the Lord and how he's working in our life. And as a church family, God will work through his church family and we will have the provision God wants us to have as a church family.